Come on, let's go to Luke chapter 19, Palm Sunday and the triumphal entry. This is what it says, verse number 28. This is Jesus. And it came to pass when he drew near Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet or the Mount of Olives, that he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village opposite you. And when you enter it, you'll find a colt tied, which no one has ever sapped. It's interesting. You ought to underline that if you got your paper Bible with you. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say, because the Lord has need of it. I'm going to preach here in just a moment, but I just feel like I need to pause and tell somebody that the Lord needs you. That maybe you're sidelined, maybe you're kind of checking out church, maybe you're kind of kicking the tires, maybe you kind of don't know if I'm going to go all in. God needs you. And I feel like the Lord wanted me to pause right here in this moment and tell you, whoever you are, you feel like you're not good enough. You feel like you can't serve. You feel like God can't use you. If you feel that way, you need to go back and listen to last week's message. But I just want to tell you that God has need of you. God needs you and to be the godly parent in your home. God needs you to be the godly boss on your job. God needs you to be the godly son and daughter to lead parents to Christ. God needs, God needs you. Don't disqualify yourself. God needs you. So those who were sent went there and they found it just as he had said. But as they were loosing it, the colt and the owners came out, just like Jesus said, what? And they said, why are you loosing this colt? And so they said, the Lord has need of him. I just want to remind you, the Lord has need of you. Verse number 35, then they brought him to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the colt and they set Jesus on him. And as they went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was drawing near the descent of Mount Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples begin to rejoice, sing praise to God, just like we were doing here just a moment ago, and all with a loud voice for the mighty works that they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest, just singing praise, just like we were doing. And some of the Pharisees, the religious teachers of the time, they called to the crowd and said, teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. And this is where I really want to zero in on today. Verse number 41. Now, as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. As he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, speak to us today. Our hearts are open. Do what you want to do. Come on, just right now, and just kind of the solemnness of this moment. Why don't, why don't you just say a prayer to God? Just underneath your breath, just, God, speak to me. God, I, I need a word tonight. Let your Holy Spirit, the voice of many waters, the the voice that can speak one thing to one person and a different thing to the person sitting right next to him. Let let your Holy Spirit speak to us, God. We thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, if you'll believe and receive that, why don't you say amen? Amen, amen, and amen. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you so much. We all give glads and a big round of applause. Thank you so much, man. And our worship team, thank you so much to our worship team. We, we really do have, we have truly 
truly incredible, uh, incredible worship. And so I intentionally, I, I know I read a lot of scripture um, tonight, and, and I hope you hung with me through it all. But I think it's important on, on days like today, like a Palm Sunday, that we go back and, you know, and we, and we read these stories and, and we get these scriptures in our heart. And this day was really the start of, you know, of what we call Holy Week now. And they weren't calling it that then because, you know, the disciples, the crowd, they, they were really even unaware of, of the events that would unfold in the days to come. But the person who did know the events in the day to come was, was Jesus. And so Jesus is coming into the city, as Shannon alluded to earlier, Jesus was coming into the city knowing what would unfold in the days to come. Here he was with his disciples and they're singing praises. And you have to think that Judas is among those disciples that is singing these praises. That, you know, out of one side of his mouth, he's singing praise. And out of the other side of his mouth, he's making a deal to sell out Jesus. And he's riding into the city on this donkey, and he's listening to the praises of the crowd. And the crowd is, is praising and, and singing praises. Why? Because they've seen Jesus go through the city and, and heal people. They've seen Jesus go through the city and, and op blind, open blinded eyes. And they've seen people that were demon-possessed be free. People that have been bound their entire lives under oppression released by the power of the Messiah that came to the earth, of God who stepped out of heaven and wrapped himself in flesh. And 33 years are now coming all to this climax as Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And, and I want to take, and I'm going to preach, and I'm going to preach here in just a moment, but I, I want to teach a few things because as we look at this story, you've got to understand that this story is just, it's wrapped in prophetic fulfillment. And when you really understand the fulfillment of everything that Jesus accomplished, even just in this story, it begins to make a difference and means something different. And what I want is I want us as a church that every time that we approach Palm Sunday, every time as we approach Easter, every time as we approach the day of Pentecost, every time that we approach these special days that are on the Christian calendar, that we look at them through awe and respect of what was happening on this day. And something special, something important, something prophetic was happening on this day. Because see, you need to understand that, that Jesus was fulfilling prophecy. And he was fulfilling a covenant that was made to King David. How many of you remember King David? If you've read the Old Testament or read the Bible at all, you'll remember King David. And some of my favorite stories have to do with King David and how God used King David. On one particular instance, uh, King David was sitting on the throne and you know, there's, if you look at any, go back and look throughout history and throughout time, you'll, you'll go back and you'll see that there was always somebody that wanted the throne. When there was a king on the throne, there was always somebody else that would want to try to overthrow it. Well, I could do it better than King David and I could rule better than David. And so there was always somebody that wanted to overthrow it. It just so happened that it was his son. And so his son puts together this plan to overthrow the throne. 
and it doesn't succeed. He doesn't do great, but King David does flee the city. And so King David would flee the city, but he would come riding back in on a donkey from the Mount of Olives back into Jerusalem to rightly claim his throne. And what this is, is it's a fulfillment of the Davidic covenant that God made to David. And God came to David and said, look, I'm going to put a ruler on the throne that will rule forever. And I'm sure in David's natural mind, he thought, you know, my offspring will reign forever and ever. He probably thought like it would be the queen of England. Like they just keep passing this thing down and you have to be of the right blood and all of this kind of stuff. And if you go back and you read Matthew, you can trace the lineage all the way back to David and it comes all the way to Jesus. And so Jesus coming riding in on a donkey was the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant that said there will be an offspring that will come from David because Jesus did come from that line of David. And now here he comes riding the same path that David would ride into the city of Jerusalem, fulfilling that prophecy. Because see, it wasn't only David that would come riding in on a donkey to reclaim his throne. But after David passed away, his son Solomon would also come riding in on a donkey. Here's the thing, interesting thing about the donkey is that both of these kings, I mean, you would think, you know, they're kings. Why, why are they, you know, we don't, come on, a donkey is not something majestic, right? Uh, when, you, when you think about a donkey, you don't think about a donkey being this majestic thing. You think about it being like, a, probably like a, a petting, you know, a petting zoo animal. You're like, it's just, it's just this, it's nothing great. And you would think, why wouldn't these kings come riding in on a horse? Because there was significance in him coming in, riding on this donkey. And all of the kings, both King David and King Solomon, now King Jesus coming riding in on a donkey. Because it signified that they were coming in peace. If they would come riding in on a horse, it means that they would come riding in ready to make war. But Jesus didn't come riding in on a horse because he didn't come in judgment. He didn't come to make war, but he came in in, in he came in in peace and he came in with compassion. So he comes riding in from the Mount of Olives into the city of Jerusalem in peace and with a heart of compassion. And I love that the Bible says that the crowds are singing praises and they're singing out Hosanna in the highest and they have their palm branches and they're waving their palm branches and they're taking those branches and they're laying them down before Jesus and they're taking their coats and they're taking their cloaks and they're laying them down before Jesus and they're worshiping the Savior. They're worshiping the Messiah. They're worshiping the King who has come in from the line of David that will take the throne, that will reign forever and it, it wouldn't be in this physical world but Jesus is now reigning and will reign reigned forever. He comes in riding in peace. But verse 41 says, now as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. And Jesus saw the city and he knew that the same crowd that sang his praises on Sunday would crucify him on Friday. That the same crowd that was lifting up the palm branches and lifting up their hands and saying Hosanna in the highest on Sunday was the same crowd that would stand as he would carry the cross up the hill and yell crucify him. 
And yet Jesus didn't ride in on a horse in anger or in judgment, ready to wage, wage war, but Jesus came in on a donkey in humility and in grace with a heart of compassion. And instead of being angry that the people would crucify him on Friday, he wept over the city. And can I tell you that Jesus comes to us with a heart of grace? And that Jesus comes to us with a heart of compassion. And that Jesus knew the things that we do, would do. And Jesus knew the sins that we would make. And yet he still chose on Sunday to be crucified on Friday. And he still chose, even knowing that at the end of his 33 years on this earth, he still chose even when it was all being unfolded and he would come as a little baby in a manger, he still chose to step out of heaven and say, I'm going to go and give my life. Why? Because he saw us through a heart of compassion. And I got to be honest, I kind of felt this week the way that Jesus felt as I, I looked at our nation. And when you cut on the news and see the stories that are unfolding, stories of Nashville. And it seems like almost every day now a school shooting. And I just felt like I was looking at our nation and my heart was broken. Come on, this is where we're at. You can't look at the things that are unfolding and, and happening before us and the violence and, and, and just the anger and the outrages that are happening and tell me that evil and sin is not real. We're living in the consequences of sin. We're living in the consequences of, of evil that, that we've made choices and we've made decisions and, and, and we're living now in the consequences of, of the sin in our actions. But the good news is that there is a God that looks at us through grace and compassion. A God that didn't come judging and condemning and there will be a day of judgment, but that day is not today. Today is a day of grace. Today is a day of compassion. Today is a day of mercy. Today is the day that God would look at us and go, I love you so much that I came to the earth and I died on a cross for you and for your sin and I died for the city of Frisco and I died for, for the United States of America and I gave my life for the world for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe would not perish but have everlasting life this is the good news of the gospel this is the God that we serve not a God that is angry and pointing a judgmental finger but a God that is standing with arms wide open that when he looks at us he weeps over us why because he sees the condition of our nation he sees the condition of our hearts and he goes I love you I want you to turn from your sin and turn to me and he looks at us with a heart of compassion. And I think if we're really gonna be difference makers, I believe that if we're really gonna be restorers in our city, if we're really gonna be restorers in our nation, we have to look at our nation, we have to look at our city, we have to look at people that are hurt and broken with hearts of compassion. 
Man, I have to carry the heart of Jesus because Jesus came riding in in humility. Everywhere I go, it has to be in humility and the grace of Christ. If I really want to bring restoration to somebody's life, it doesn't happen in judgment. It happens in love. And if we want to, the whole name of this series has been make straight the path because the thing that I want Restoration Church to do is make straight the path to Jesus. I want to make it easy to get to Jesus. I want to make it easy to get to his love. I want to make it easy to encounter his mercy. I want to make it easy to encounter his grace. And the reason those people were singing his praise was because Jesus made it easy to love him because he loved them first because he would heal them, because he would touch them with compassion. But the reason that Jesus wept over the city is is because he saw people that wouldn't repent and wouldn't turn. They would praise him on Sunday and crucify him on Friday. And if you read the last part of this scripture, it it, it begins to go on to describe the, the future fate of Jerusalem begins to go on to describe a day and theologians kind of argue about what this is, but I believe that happened in 70 AD. Then the the destruction of of Jerusalem. And Jesus began to say, I see this. And and the reason I see this is because you're going to talk out of this side of your mouth and praise, but then then you're you're not going to turn from your evil ways. God said, if my people who were called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and then I will hear their land. But there's a part that we play in all of that. He says, I'll I'll hear from heaven, and I'll heal your land, but there's a part that we play in that, and it's if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and repent and turn from their ways, then I will hear from heaven. When does he hear from heaven? When we will turn from our wicked ways, not just show up and sing praise, not just show up and go through the motions, not just show up and check something off of our Sunday list of things to do. Okay, I went to church this week. Check. No, it's not just about that. It's about turning from our ways, turning to his and saying, God, I want to help restore the world that I live in with your heart of compassion for your people and for your creation. And so he saw the city and he wept over it. I wonder when the last time you've looked at the state of our world and and wept. My heart's been heavy this week. My heart's been broken this week. When will evil stop? I, I just, I had this thought a few years ago that I really do believe that the church is the answer even to stop school shootings, to stop violence. You say, well, how is the church going to do that? I believe that even one person in this room could be that person. You never know any day of the week when you might encounter someone who has violence on their mind. And that you could encounter somebody and your compassion and your love for them could encounter could cause them to encounter Jesus in a way 
that anything that they had planned, that any thoughts that they had in their mind or in their heart, they turned from that plan. Why? Because you carry the heart of Jesus. Why? Because you carry compassion. Why? Because you carry the grace of Jesus. We can, come on, I really and truly believe, Restoration Church, that we can push back the darkness. I truly believe that we can become such a force in our city and in our state and in our nation that we begin to push against the darkness and we begin to encounter people that are bound up in sin and we begin to encounter people that are full of hate or full of anger or full of addiction and that when we approach them with the love and the light of Jesus in our heart, that we shine into the dark places and we literally push back the darkness. Come on, is there anybody here tonight that says, I want to push back the darkness? I want to push back the darkness because he had a heart of compassion. On one other occasion, Jesus wept. There's, there's two times in the scriptures where, where Jesus wept. And there's this time when he's approaching the city. And there's a, the other time that he's at Lazarus's tomb. And if you know the story, Lazarus was sick and his sisters, Mary and Martha, sent to Jesus and said, Jesus, our brother is sick. You need to come and pray for him and heal him. And the Bible said that Jesus, because he loved Lazarus, he waited two more days. And in the time that Jesus would wait, Lazarus would die. They would take Lazarus and they would put him in the tomb. And when Jesus actually arrived, Jesus, Lazarus was dead and, and he was in the tomb. And Mary and Martha ran to Jesus and one of them fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. And so Jesus says, take me to the place where, where Lazarus is buried. And so they take Jesus and they take him to the tomb and there's mourners all around and these mourners are weeping and they're wailing. And the Bible says in the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. And if you look at the context of the story, I don't believe that Jesus wept because his friend died. Because if he wept because his friend died, then he wouldn't have brought him out of the grave like, you know, two, three verses later. He didn't, he didn't weep because he's like, oh man, Lazarus is dead. He looked around and he saw unbelief. And the Bible actually says that he, he looked around and he saw unbelief. And they had Jesus right there in the midst. And Jesus knelt for a moment and it broke his heart because there was unbelief. Because they didn't have faith. I'm telling you, Jesus is wanting a church that is full of faith. Jesus is wanting a church that will believe that he can do everything that he said that he can do. He's looking for a church that is believing for revival in their city. And I believe that that is this church. He's looking for a church and he knelt and he wept at the grave because there was unbelief. What will happen if we clear the unbelief out of our churches? What will happen if we'll clear the unbelief out of our heart? I don't want Jesus to look at our church and weep and go, there's unbelief in the church. I want Jesus to look at our church and go, it's a church full of faith. It's a church that believes that I can do everything that I say that I can do. And I believe that if we will be that church, God will move in our city. But he always had 
a heart of compassion. He had a heart of compassion, but the, the tears were from, from two things. And I want the band to come back, and, and we're going to close with about 10 minutes of prayer here at the end. We're going to pray for Easter. We're going to pray for our city. We're going to pray for our nation. We're going to pray for those hurting in, in Nashville. And, but there were two things that, that broke his heart. Number one, we just talked about it, the unbelief. Unbelief should break our heart. Unbelief, when we see unbelief, it should break our heart. It should shake us a little. Number two is this, sin. Sin should break our heart. When we see people bound and and hurting in addiction, it should break our heart. When we see people bound and and chained up to sin and, and addiction and secret lifestyles, and it should break our heart. We shouldn't judge. We shouldn't become angry at them. I, I, hate, I hate the sin. I don't hate the sinner. And it should break my heart, and I should look at, at a heart of compassion because Jesus didn't in that moment start striking people. He wept because his heart was full of compassion. But he continued just to ride through the city. And then even though he knew Judas was among the twelve, he would still lean back and have dinner with Judas later at Passover, knowing that Judas would betray him, knowing that Judas was plotting behind his back. And even in those final moments when he would dismiss Judas at Passover, when he would dismiss Judas from dinner, he just said, look, go go and do what you must. And then sin paid the ultimate price in, in, in Judas's life. It ended up costing him his life. And I believe that's what breaks the heart of God is that the soul, the, the price that sin takes in our life. Because the Bible says it this way, that the wages of sin is death. What did Judas do? Judas sowed betrayal against Jesus. What did it end in? It ended in death. The city of Jerusalem would turn on Jesus and crucify him. And in the end, what did it lead to? It led to death. And, and there's these spiritual laws that, that it just applies that there's, there has to be death for, for sin. You're like, man, that seems, seems crazy. Well, you know, like that seems a little harsh. But God created a system, both Old Testament and New Testament, that our sins could be paid for. And Jesus came on this day, watch this, when he came from the Mount of Olives into the city of Jerusalem, he entered through a gate that is known as the Sheep Gate. And in the Old Testament, there was a system set up to cover your sin that they would take a spotless lamb and that they would sacrifice that spotless lamb and it would cover the sins of the people. And that day that Jesus came into the city, he came through the gate called the sheep gate. And this is the gate where they would bring the sheep into the temple that would be sacrificed. And on that day, Jesus came through the gate where the sacrificial lambs would come. And he was signifying that I am the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. And behold, I take away the sins of the world. And he came through that sheep gate 
And why would a God of judgment come through a sheep gate? He wouldn't. He said, I'm a God of love and a God of compassion. And if he's a God of love and a God of compassion, what do we have to be? We have to be people of love and compassion and grace and mercy. So Jesus would come through the sheep gate that day saying, I am the Savior. I am the spotless lamb that takes away the sins of the world. Come on, let's stand on our feet.